Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Schwinnie Poo, and this is episode 163. I am joined today by my co-host, Stacy. That's at Stacy Patton 89. Stacy, what's going on? Doing all right. Damn, that's very, you sound very well. excited. Uh, well, the Knicks just lost. Uh, pretty tough. Uh, Pretty tough loss, so what are you going to say? Well, let me tell you something. It's not a (laughs) tough loss for some of us, buddy. All right, but we are joined today by a very special guest. It's his first time on the pod. His name is Kevin Stearns. You may know him on Twitter as at DocKev. Kevin, what's going on? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, My podcast debut coming off uh, an exhilarating fake comeback (laughs) by the Knicks. You know, new textbook by them. Well, you know, it's, it's it's the best way to, to get in here. Just get used to the uh, the normal routine for us. Uh, the Knicks lost 93-95 on the second night of a back-to-back to Cleveland. Um, they beat the Clippers yesterday, uh, 110-102. Um, but before we get started, uh, I have to make a couple announcements. The Strickland does have a Discord. It has a Discord too, but the Strickland does have a Patreon, which you should subscribe to. Uh, If you would like to subscribe, I would recommend at least subscribing to the $6 tier that gets you access to this podcast every Friday that I do with Prez, along with the mailbag I do with Jeremy and Drew every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, uh, where we get to commiserate about how much everything sucks or is awesome, depending on if the Knicks won or lost. there are also further tiers. There's a $9 tier, which gives you access to weekly articles from Matthew Miranda and Jack Huntley, two of the best in the business. Uh, also, there are further tiers after that, $15, $30, $50, and $100 tiers. Regardless of whether you subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. Uh, also, if you are looking to get tickets for a sporting event, a concert, or anything of the like, uh, you can use promo code the strict or sorry strickland at ticket iq on orders over a hundred dollars or more that gets you ten dollars off again that's on ticket iq 
and the promo code is Strickland. That's $10 off on orders of $100 or more. Enough of the corporate bullshit. Let's get into the pod. Uh, the Knicks, I, I don't know. Like This game was really weird to me because it had a lot of things going on. There was a lot of, like, I saw a lot of people shitting on Tibbs, and I'm, I don't think Tibbs coached a great game today. I also think, like, if Fournier, I mean, Fournier missed a bunch of open threes. Uh, the team collectively in the third quarter, well, I think they missed like eight or nine free throws in that quarter alone. Um, and you know, I didn't think he went too long with Kemba and Fournier. I understand why people wanted him to close with Obi over Randall, but I kind of get why he went back to Randall. And it's, I mean, the result didn't go our way, but I didn't think it was necessarily the wrong choice it just would have been nice if he had stuck with obi given how he had played during the stretch to close the gap um i don't know i guess stacy I'll, I'll turn it over to you first um you know what it, what did you think of this game it was a weird game um i mean I, I think teams with teams with versatile bigs like that give the knicks problems and the, the Cavs had two who in their own way are that archetype and kevin love you had a stretch five stretch four at times um, but given how they not, it's not just a Mitchell Robinson problem, by the way, I think we saw that today, but given how they de- defend the paint bigs who are, um, who are multidimensional and can shoot, that's giving them problems. And of course, Evan Mobley, we saw from the first matchup, he's just, he's a great player. Um, but I mean, even on that last play where RJ took the three, no, it was second to last play. Um, I thought Randall had a lane to his, and it was to his left and he loves usually doing that. Um, and you know, it's, it, it, but he second guessed himself and he gave it to RJ. And I think, you know, a lot of people was, and I, I'm not going to kill him over it because, you know, if he goes to his left and then Mobley's there and he takes a fadeaway, guys are going to tell him, you know, he's going to get hate for that. Right. But it just shows you kind of the impact of Mobley. So it's a, it's a tough matchup for the Knicks. Um, and then you add in a quick point guard and, and Garland, even, even shorthanded, there's a reason this team, um, is frankly significantly ahead of the Knicks in the standings. Um, I thought that there were stretches of this game where they looked awesome. I thought Obi Toppin and Quentin Grimes are awesome. He still doesn't want to go small, and I, you know you're not going to keep Randall out of this game. But it's it's a shame that Obi couldn't find more minutes because the game changed both times he entered. But it is encouraging that he's willing to close with Quentin Grimes. We saw a lot of Grimes on on Darius Garland. That certainly, I, I didn't think quickly did a bad job, but I thought Grimes was the best perimeter defender. For I don't the think day. he scored. On, I don't think he scored once on Grimes. He didn't score once on Grimes. I think he had he had a drive by um, quickly. Anything he had a floater, but I thought quickly did a reasonably good job too. Um, but I think you're seeing that the guys who were able to turn this game quickly had a terrible shooting night. But I, I'm of the opinion that they looked a lot more comfortable with him out there. Some questionable decisions aside. Um, and it, it's, it's those guys, Toppin, RJ, Grimes, those are the guys that were carrying this team. And, um, Randall, I'm not going to, I think Randall, I said this, he's, he doesn't play well against teams with great rim protectors. The Hawks put that blueprint out. You, you ha- let them linger near the rim, especially when we didn't have Mitch tonight. So with Nerlens Noel out there, I'm not saying he shouldn't have played, but that's what you're losing on offense. Um, which Randall's actually had some great interior passing with Mitch. He was missing that tonight. And so you had a little bit of that reversion to the Hawks series and that uh, takes the Knicks offense out of whack. But I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough loss in a game they could have won. 
they should I think you know could have should have would have whatever but it was a winnable game um I wouldn't kill Tibbs over it some of the things are just things you have to live with at this point um but they missed 10 free throws they um turned the ball over quite a bit um the Cavs gave them opportunities and they took advantage of it and that's kind of the difference between this year and last year and that's probably the difference we end up looking at and maybe the the front office is going to look at when they're deciding about whether this is a team that's it's worth competing for a playoff spot or whether it's worth uh, forcing the issue in terms of getting the young guys more involved. But even Tibbs seems to be getting it because he closed with IQ and Grimes. Is he, he closed with IQ. It? Is he, he really getting it? I don't think he's Arden. getting it. I think, I think, I think today he knew. He knew he had to stick with them because he knew the veteran. Like he wasn't playing from ahead. When he plays from behind, then magically, all of a sudden, he plays the young guys a lot. That's what happens. If you look at the trend, that's what happens. If the, if the Knicks are behind, then magically, he trusts the young guys, and it's wonderful, and it's fucking Shangri-La, and we can all suck each other's dicks and be happy. But when it's... Like, this, is, this actually happened in the third quarter. I could visibly see it happening. That, yes, we started off well. Yes, we got a five-point lead. Yes, that lead could have been bigger if RJ had made some free throws and Nerlens had made some free throws. But even when that was happening, you could see Kemba was giving us nothing and Fournier had nothing tonight. And he stuck with them and he stuck with them and he stuck with them. And why did he stick with them? Because it was an even game. It was an even game. And then he finally pulled the, pulled the trigger on bringing quickly and Grimes in the game when the Cavs hit two threes. Kevin Love hit two threes and they went up five or six. And then he calls a timeout and then he brought in quickly and Grimes. So, like, I don't... I. I don't agree with that. I don't think he's getting it. I think he gets it when circumstances dictate. But if they don't dictate it, he will ride that bullshit starting lineup as long as he can. Because, And we know this because he's still fucking riding it. It's a terrible lineup. How much more evidence of this do we need? They're all fucking minuses again tonight. The entire starting lineup is in minus. Julius Randle, minus 22. Nerlens Raw, minus 1. Kemba Walker, minus 11 in 20 minutes. Evan Fournier, minus 14 in 21 minutes. R.J. Barrett, who, I mean, I thought was great, fantastic down the stretch, and even throughout most of the I'm game, I thought he played a very good game. That Minus three, by the way, it wasn't on him. That, like, they, the, shot, no. the clock was running down, and I think Randall should have... Randall, Randall took a lot of time with the ball at that point, just attack, but he didn't put R.J. in a good position. Well, I'm not I, I thought, I thought Randall could have done two things. I thought he either could have driven left, as you said, or if he had given it to R.J. earlier, R.J. had a much cleaner lane earlier and he could have dr- drove but he gave it to him late and he rj had to put up a three and that is what it is but um i don't want to I, I don't want to i i used up some of my venom there but uh kevin uh you know what what did you think because like look i, I don't know I, I mean i'm looking at this box it's a very weird box score just all around i mean the knicks actually had 21 assists tonight even though on 35 missed shots they didn't shoot particularly well from the field uh, and I, I also just to say this, like as bad as the Knicks shot from the line, eleven of twenty-one, the Cavs were only twelve of twenty. So, like, I mean, if you want to say free throws cost us, maybe, but like, it kind of just evened out. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess just like, what are your thoughts? I mean, I guess look, here's the big thing, right? Stacy thinks that Tibbs is getting it. I'm not quite sold on that. What do you What do you think? So it was a weird game. I thought it started to get out of hand in the end of the third quarter, about four minutes left and Julius and Kemba were just taking some ridiculous shots. They missed and the Cavs are just draining threes. You know, they built the lead up and the fake comeback began uh, led by IQ, OB, Grimes, you know, the usual suspects on the bench. 
And then Bibbs just brought Randall back in about I don't know, maybe five minutes left in the fourth quarter. And uh, yeah, I mean, those last two offensive possessions, Randall just standing there taking a sweet time. Fred Katz had a really good tweet, and I totally agree that one of the biggest problems with the Knicks on offense. They just take their sweet time yes. to, to get into sets and do whatever. Like the, the clock is running, you know. There's 18 seconds left or whatever. Randall's jogging up the court, you know. He's he's grilling up Dean Wade, you know. Dean Wade, you know, reincarnated <laughs> into Dwayne Wade here, and he's, he's staring him up. He's like, I'm about to take him to town, and he just decides to pass to RJ all late, and you know. Leads to that, and then what? I also just didn't understand. Like RJ had it going in the fourth quarter. Like exactly, at some point we need to come to a point. Like there needs to come to a point where you, as the head coach, like IQ is running these pick and rolls to get a switch and get. uh, They were trying to get Rondo onto Randall, and that worked. You know, he got. I, the, the announcers are saying that was a foul on Randall on the one shot he made to tie it up at 91. I thought that was fine. Like, I think Rondo's just looking for the foul there. He's not actually playing defense. He's just he's trying to sell contact. I thought that was a good no call. Um, but then what the Cavs did is they switched. They put a Coro on on IQ, and then they were switching that. And Julius can't bully a Coro in the same way. I just was like, you know, at that that's the point where. Yes, I think that that's part of IQ's growth where he needs to recognize that and maybe then on the fly adjust. And maybe that's where you like he calls out, you know, play for RJ, RJ gets the ball or something. But like also as the coach, like I think that's where you need to take control of the game and and really like down the stretch of that, I just don't know how you can be like empowering Julius based on what we saw tonight and recently and the whole fucking season over RJ. Like I, I just don't get it. And I thought I thought that was terrible. I thought it was just I mean <sighs> Well you know how Thibbs is a man of his word. You know, he holds players <laughs> accountable. If you're playing poorly, you're not gonna play. Uh but that's bullshit if you're, you're you know, close to, to thirty years old. Yeah, if you could buy a car, <laughs> rent a car, you know, all that. There's it works out better that way for you. I'm actually I'm thoroughly surprised that he let quickly, you know, have full reigns pretty much the second half. Um and he, he, he finished with woeful. Grimes. Yeah, and he finished with Grimes. But quickly, he was woeful on offense tonight, but still had six assists. He was pretty good on defense. He was active, you know, and it's good for his development. Yeah, it, the thing is, like, I don't care that he shot one for 10 because, like, it's still, like, I don't know what it was about there. Isn't that the exactly. biggest kind of, if the whole thing is he's not a point guard, that's even more, forget about that, right? But um, if even, if all he brings you is shooting, Tonight disproves that, right? Because they they played better with him on there than Kemba, and that's without even thinking about defense. So, I mean, it's it's just it's a fucking joke. Like, I'm sorry, it's just a joke. I, I can't. There's not even a single reasonable argument at this point for him to not be starting a point guard over Alec Burks or Kemba. Kemba Walker is like a fucking corpse out there. He plays with zero energy. He. I don't know what he was doing tonight. Like, I really, I, his box score doesn't even look that bad, actually. He's like four of eight, eight points. I know. We probably look crazy for people that didn't watch the game, but he was very bad tonight. He was terrible. He didn't do anything. And then he's like, I, I don't, I just, I can't, I, I can't deal with it. I can't do it. Like, he had that one possession in the first quarter where, like, he got a switch onto Mobley, and then he, like, he passed up an open jumper, then he drove in a little bit, then pulled it back out. And then he drove in and like threw it at 
Dean Wade's head and like turn it over. It was just it made no sense. And it basically I mean, I just think that if you have Julius in this headspace he's in where he just is like it's like a fucking, you know, you never know what you're getting on any given night. Forget any given night, you don't know what you're getting possession to possession. Um you just I just don't see how you can go with Kemba as your point guard because that gives you like that's just two guys who you have no idea what you're going to get night to night. Um, Kemba's a terrible defensive player at this point. Or, I mean, not that he was ever great, but he was, he's actually terrible now. And on top of that, you pair him with Fournier, that's like a terrible... Def- that's probably the slowest, least athletic defensive pairing possible. Um, and, you know, Fournier didn't have a particularly good game today, but, like, to me, his game is... He just missed shots. He mostly just missed shots and whatever. He didn't... He didn't do a lot of stupid shit. Um, he just missed shots. I just thought Kemba did like like. I don't know what he's not creating anything. That's kind of my problem. Is he's just like out there, and if he's yeah. just going to be out there, and all you're going to do with him is have him like toss the ball to Julius, then give me quickly because at least quickly is going to play defense, and quickly has shown. To be quite honest, he's shown a lot more as a passer this year than Kemba, um, and you know, I mean, it's just it's just like not close to me at this point. I don't even see what the argument is anymore for Kemba over quickly other than like Tibbs is perfect and can never be wrong. I, I have no clue. Like like when Kemba plays fast, I I can see it, right? Because he is he's probably even at, at pull up, he's a he's a little bit more polished in finding his pull up shoot. Although that's been the best part of Quickly's game still. I can see it and I don't hate it when that happens. The reality is he doesn't play fast. And then he, he can't he can't be anything less than really good on offense. Because he's a liability on defense, and it's compounded with Fournier, and um, yeah. So when when I say a quick Tibbs was getting it, I'm saying that if you're looking for positives, he closed with quickly and Grimes. He empowered RJ quite a bit, um, and we'll have to see. And and maybe hopefully some of these things are made moot by the front office and Rose coming back. I just see, like I just don't. I don't think it means anything. It doesn't mean anything. If it never leads anywhere, because it doesn't, it never fucking leads anywhere. Like we've seen this before. The bench came in against Detroit and saved them, saved the, the shit out of that game. They came in against Minnesota the night before and they saved the shit out of that game. They came in against Milwaukee earlier this year, twice against Milwaukee and saved the game. Like, I mean, they lost one of those games, but you get the point. They made it competitive. Like this has been the case all year and all year. Like there's never any long term. This is a change in how we're doing things. It never changes. It never changes because he's like a fucking stub. He's stubborn as a mule. He will never. He will never ever ever. He never. He never changes. We saw it all last year with Alfred. You know, and this is my. This is what drives me crazy about Thibs is you brought up before Schwinn how he's just so archaic with his rotations. He he's just so reluctant to play with things, and you know. I think we have the pieces on this team to be a playoff team at minimum. Um, and, you know, like, what is Fournier doing? Like, why Grimes should be starting over him if he was being, you know, accountable and whatnot. Or he just give, right? he tries way harder on defense. He's right now, I think he's a way better shooter. Um, and Fournier was getting bullied by a Coro. It was, I don't know, it's just fr- really frustrating to watch because I, I know they can get themselves out of this. But, they're not going to with Thibs at coach. Yeah, I, and I don't even mind. Like, I get why Fournier starts. Like, ultimately, like I we can Money. say kind of the yeah. It's like I understand that. Like, I understand that sometimes that does matter, right? Like, I I get that. 
But like, if you're starting, if you have to pick, like that's my thing. Like you have to pick if you're starting. If you have Kemba and Fournier, that's your choice because RJ is going to play. Randall, like Randall, as much as we want to say accountability, like I get why he's going to start. You know, like I don't even think there's a point in d- discussing that to an extent because you're going to start him. You just paid him what four years, 117 million extension. You're going to play the fucking guy. Um, and I get like we can like it. The small ball stuff. I don't need small ball from the start, so it doesn't matter to me that you know a center starts. Like I, that's fine. That's good. Cool. Whatever. So to me, the decision is Kemba or Fournier. And if you're gonna like, you can't have both. That like it's just obvious. Like you cannot have both. And ter- Fournier was bad tonight. He's terrible tonight. But I think he has proven over the course of the year he has a lot more utility than than Kemba does. Um, and I mean, if you look at the lineup data. I think he is something like a, um, I want to say he is a, coming into tonight, I think he was like him, RJ, and Julius for the season with Kemba off the floor were like a plus 6.9 net rating. Um, nothing, that's not spectacular. I mean, that's just like what you would want from your starting group. But like that, that tells a story because if you, I feel like there's a perception of, well, man, RJ and Randall and like they, they just don't mix with Kemba and Fournier and really I don't think it's Kemba and Fournier I think it's specifically Kemba like they can't play with Fournier in every lineup but they can definitely play with Fournier I mean we've seen it they've had pretty good games with them um when Kemba plays Kemba has to be awesome if Kemba's not scoring and Kemba's not doing a bunch of shit with the ball in his hands he's a terror he's just a huge negative for you and if you're gonna start him then you're fucked like with Fournier and the starting lineup also so uh, you can't have both. And if Tibbs is on this weird thing of like Kemba, you know, I view him as a starter. So like, if he plays, he's going to be a starter. I mean, I don't really get that, but like, this is what I mean when I've been talking like the, the front office just, they, I have no problem with it. I, I don't care how the season has turned out. I have no problem with what they did in the off season. I think they did the right thing. I think they made a genuine attempt to put together a, a roster that was, that could be competitive now, but still had pieces to give them upside moving forward. And it didn't work. And that's okay. Like that, that happens. Um, but you have to make moves now. Like you got to get Kemba out of here. You have got to get Burks out of here. Those two guys have to be gone because unless they're gone, we are going to be dealing with this the entire year. And at this point, you're 23 and 25. Like if you don't make a run in the next, what the trade deadline, I think is February 10th. So you've got what? That's like two, two and a half weeks, two and a half weeks. If they don't make a run, Knicks have a brutal schedule coming up the next 10 games. Right. So it's like, if you don't make a run, then it has to be done by the deadline. It has to be. Because you can't, you just absolutely cannot, um, you can't have this rest of the year. Because it's a total waste. It's a complete waste. This like, games like this are just about acceptable because Tibbs bit the bullet and put in the young guys, and they almost came back and won the game for him. They almost rewarded him for that, by the way. Um, you can't have these games, though. Like, what was that game? The Minnesota game last week. That Games like that are totally unacceptable to me. Like, zero value games. You get nothing out of it. And here's the other thing. Like, RJ clearly plays much better when Kemba's not on the floor. Forget Julius. RJ clearly plays better without Kemba on the floor. That is indisputable to me. Like, how many points did he have in the in the, in the fourth quarter today? What was it, like 10? I don't know. I have no clue. I don't, I don't know. I'm just asking. But, like, did, I mean, just look at, like, just watch him. Don't you think he just looks way more comfortable? Way like, better. I don't know. I, 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 mean, look, I, I, I know he had yeah, like it's probably a multitude of things, right? If the defense is better, RJ loves to take the ball out of the hoop and go downhill. Um, 
yeah, I mean, he just generally plays better with more pace. Um, and I mean, that's the thing. And when they're constantly, when Kemba's always getting the ball off the off the glass, or if they if they have to inbound from out of bounds and they don't get stops, then yeah, I mean, those are probably some of the the lesser things. I don't know that their games in the half court don't mess necessarily, but it all comes down to pace and, and defense. That's what the when the things are not going well, they're not getting stops. And they're just not getting to their offense before there's 16, 17 seconds left. Yeah. I and mean, that could be a Julius thing. Um, I'm starting to believe more and more that it is because. The pace thing? Yeah. It is a Julius thing. It's a Tibbs thing. But like, Kemba doesn't even push well when he has. Today, here's the perfect example. Watch, like, I don't think IQ is some tremendous transition pass or anything, right? But like, you watch the shots we got at a transition when IQ had chances to push it, and then you compare it to the one time Kemba pushed it, and he like half-heartedly drove down the lane. I mean, you tweeted about this, Stacey. You tweeted about this. About, you know, he half-heartedly drives down the lane and like doesn't even sell anything, and then he just dishes it to RJ. And RJ, you know, he luckily drew a uh, blocking call that easily could have been a foul, like easily could have been a charge. Quite frankly, he could have gotten hurt on that play, but it was all because Kemba just did no. He didn't like. Yeah, he tried to do a look away, but like he wasn't. He didn't have the speed that he normally would have. Right, he wasn't threatening Love, and Love knew exactly what he was going to do, uh, which is sad to see from someone who, ninety nine percent of his career, including a lot of this year, has been a tremendous transition player. But that's. Um, but it's not even about like quickly can just make the simple play, but it's like more than just creating fast break opportunities it's like get the ball get it across half court by 19 20 seconds right yep get the team into the set so that you're running something at 18 to 15 and if that gets delayed like since they're scrambling something else is more likely to open up and you have more opportunities to run more things it's something that simple like his assists are mostly simple plays he's not doing anything groundbreaking i mean he had like a, he had a nice bounce pass to taj he had a couple of flashy passes too but the, it's just getting the offense in the sets. And so um, that's not to say he's the point guard of the future. That's not to say he's the lead guard of the future. He clearly has things he needs to work on, most notably getting to the rim. Um, and, you know, that would probably help some of his shot selection from outside. But um, it does show you that given the roster now, it's him or Rose. Um, and we haven't seen enough of Deuce. I think reps would help Deuce. But um it's it's really it's not Kemba and um, and it's definitely not Burks right Burks has the Burks I think the pace is even worse because like if you token pressure is going to slow Burks down in the half court not his fault um, but Des, he's six six there's very few unless your name's Lamelo Ball or LeBron James or something like that most six guys six six guys don't have that handle so that's those are small things right but it makes all the difference in allowing the Knicks to run crisp offense and. You know, maybe this becomes a moot point. They get Brunson this year. You know, they get you know, Rokas comes over and lights everyone on fire. Deuce makes a, a big leap. IQ gets strong enough. Maybe who knows? But um, there, the, the decisions, I, and then people are going to point to the record and be like, "Well, do you really think they're more than a 500 team?" Um, I think, by the way, people who say that are not looking at the fact that they have had one of the easiest schedules, and given what's left, this could very easily be a team that finishes 30 and 52. But um. But wow, really bringing the cheer on this pod. Hey, I, I thought that was because some, but like, um, but they're not, um, but even if, even if they are like process matters, right? So 
yeah, this is yes, yes. And, and yeah. the last thing I'll say, and I think a couple people mentioned is, this is a roster where they have 15 guys legitimately who I think can see the floor. If you don't think Jericho Sims is ready, fine. 14 guys. Um, and so this Kemba's is the one time. Player. What? <laughs> 13, I whatever. Kemba, I don't think Kemba should play. Right, but they have six or seven guys on the who never play or play sparingly um, who should who are worthy of, of larger roles. And um, the whole point is they're all, it's a little bit of an island of misfit toys because they all have some weaknesses. They're not world-blowing players. No one is, uh, what is so it's it? like world, Moneyball? World. It's our island of misfit toys? Yeah, and I said world-blowing. World-beating. Um, <laughs> world-beating players. What, what's World-blowing sounds interesting, though. Yeah, you should try it. Um, so, um, but the point is, like, that's but he uses the word situational as a euphemism, right, for guys who aren't going to play. But the thing is, there are situations for all of these players. You know what would have been like? You have a play where you're down two points with one point seven seconds left, and um, you know you don't have. Nerlens Noel is not a doesn't have great hands, and Taj can't get above the rim. You know what would be awesome if you had a guy that could just jump really high. And was a lob threat, and at least give them something to think about, as opposed to telegraphing. We're throwing it to Randall thirty feet from the hoop. Those are like those are quote unquote situations. Situations will arise. Shout out to Usher, but like we don't do that, and we're a roster built for those kind of situations. And that's that's why like being married to set rotations. That's what's really annoying about this. We're, we don't have a good enough team to be married to set rotations. That's a fact. Like. Like, with this roster, you need to tinker a bit more to maximize. And, like, this is it's why I kind of go back and forth on this with Tibbs, where it's like, how much is he really costing us? And it's like, at the end of the day, I don't think this team is drastically better if they have a process that is cleaner. I, like, if they, if they just played, like, the higher net rating players more, I don't think that necessarily means they become, like, you know, a juggernaut. But... I do think the team wins a few more games, and I think that, like, it's not just about today. It's also about, like, what are you building towards? Like, what are you building towards? And I just don't see how you're building towards something if, like, what does making Alec Burks the starting point guard, what is that building towards? What did that help? Who did that help? What did that get the best out of? What is that maximizing for your short and your long term? Nothing. That that did nothing. That was just, like, he doesn't trust IQ and so he wanted to go with some veteran who will do like, you know, the entry pass to Julius Well or something. Like, you know, I just it's so stupid. I, I can't get over it's it's not about the wins or losses at this point. It is about what are you building toward? What is the upside of your decisions? What is the uh light at the end of the tunnel, proverbially speaking? Like, there is none with this like the way he manages some of his shit. Um uh, like today, like you know what? What? How good does Obi need to play to just like force his way onto the court in situations? Because I didn't think no, I didn't think no, Noel played a good game today. I want to be very clear. I thought Noel played a good game today. Um, but like, I mean, you just pointed out like situations, right? I mean, ninety-one, ninety-one. You got the ball. I feel like that's a situation where, I mean, I I do I would not hate calling a timeout there throwing OB on and playing small in that spot. Like, like I just don't, I don't, and if you're not going to be willing to try that situationally, then you're not maximizing all of the tools at your disposal. And you're not even willing to try. And I, that, I mean, you had the Cavs today playing fucking lineups with Kevin Love at the five. If you can't try Randall and OB in that situation, 
on a second night of a back-to-back, on a night where Obi's playing out of his goddamn mind, like, what? Then then what you are saying is that you're never going to try it. And if you're never going to try it, then how far we can go with this coach and how long we can go with him is definitely a question. Like, I don't, I personally have no desire to fire Tibbs right now. I would not fire him at the end of the season unless we, I mean, if we do finish 30 and 52, like, maybe you do. Um, but, like, I don't think they're going to finish 30 and 52. Um, I don't think there's a reasonable scenario. Right, but I, I think there's a, there's a, 30 and 52 is an extreme. Um, but there's this, there's a scenario in which they finish substantially below 500. So just, but my only point was that given that the schedule isn't evenly distributed, um, to say, well, they're 500 right now doesn't really, uh, you know, that's misleading, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it is, um, it just, I just, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I just, it drives me. It, it it's it's really frustrating and like like what is frustrating is you watch Grimes tonight he's awesome tonight he's so good and you know that there's almost no world like Kevin mentioned this he should start probably right on merit and given just like what you want around RJ and Randall it's a pretty good argument that like he's a much cleaner fit than Fournier um or Kemba even right if you want to do the no point guard thing like but you know that's never gonna that's not gonna happen. There's no world where he's gonna start, and like, and and it leads to decisions. Like, I don't think the Kemba Walker signing was a terrible signing or anything like that. You know, I understood it. It's a good. I thought it's a reasonable risk. I stand by that. It's a reasonable risk based on what we knew going into the off season. But I do think, and I hate coming back to this because I've mentioned this before in the pod. But like, I do think that the reason you you went after Kemba is related to not really giving quickly a chance. To just play, like just give him the starting point guard spot and give him. I don't. I mean, especially this season, I don't give a shit. Just give him the rest of the season as the starting point guard and see what happens. Like, there's no way that what's going to happen. Oh, we're going to be a 500 team. Oh my god! Like, nothing as bad is going to happen from that, you know? Because your your options suck. Like Kemba sucks. Burks is not a point guard, um, and Rose is hurt. So, like, I mean. What do you have to lose exactly? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I I don't know. It just like I just can't get over it because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, why can you not try that? And there's no reason. The only reason I can come up with, and I I can't actually come up with a reason, but the reason I keep getting told is that Kemba's on a point guard, or sorry, IQ's on a point guard. Is Kemba a point guard? Is Burks? Burks is not a point guard. Yeah, like is Burks a point guard? Burks is not a point guard. He's never played point in the NBA. Like, what do we? How can we? That can't be your argument. Well, IQ's not a point guard. Well, shit. The Knicks don't have a fucking point guard on the team right now. That's healthy. Then, like, what does Burks do that makes you think he's more of a point guard than IQ? Nothing, you know. And and then the other, the other, the last part the of it East that just is big man. Yeah, I mean, the other part that it just pisses me off too is like we saw we saw McBride and IQ play once together. They were awesome, and then we haven't seen it since then. Like against the Rockets. I and I, I mean, I feel like you watch other teams around the NBA and their coaches. Not that like every coach is some mad scientist, and not that just experimenting for the sake of experimenting is a good thing. Shout out uh, David Fisdale. Uh, hopefully, the 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 new Lakers coach any day soon. Um, like what? I just feel like every other team experiments more, and like 
plays the hot hand more. And maybe that's just me being so stuck in the weeds on the Knicks that you don't really see what's going on in the league. But, like, you know, I mean, I think what Brendan Brown was the announcer today for the Knicks, but he mentioned how, like, Cleveland had staggered their lineups to play Mobley and Garland more against the Knicks bench. And that actually didn't work. Because guess what? The Knicks bench is better than their fucking starters. Um, but, like, that's my point. It's like, we never do that. We, like, as much as, I, and I, Julius, shut on him as much as you want. Um, like, we never play our best, like, we never play our best backcourt players with our best frontcourt players and wing players. That never happens. We never play Art Randall with the good backcourt. The only time it happened, it happens in games like this, where we're down by a lot, and he has to go to the bench, and he rides them, and then Randall comes in to close out the game. That's the only time it happens. It never happens other than that. Like, it just doesn't. He never does it intentionally. It is never a thing of, like, it's never a strategy to stagger the rotation. That's probably the best way to put it. Um, so, I don't know. I, I, like, Kev, it's my you... that, That's my biggest issue. Like Stacy mentioned, we're 15 deep. 14 if you don't want to count Sims, but there's just too many pieces that allow for flexibility and creativity, and it's just not there with this team. And they need to consolidate or something at the deadline because Rose will be coming back soon. That's another player that needs minutes. I mean, someone's going to get cut out. I mean, we wouldn't have seen Grimes without the injuries. So, and, and we, we have Cam Reddish sitting on the bench still. So we need to figure out how to get minutes for him. I would like to see Burks and Kemba traded, but we're going to have to get something back. We can't just trade him for picks. It's just, I don't know how to balance all of this you know, minutes distribution. It is hard, but Thibs can play with things. He doesn't, you know, he can mess with the starting lineup. Like, I would love to see Fournier come off the bench. I think he would be great off the bench, but he's a veteran. He makes too much money. It'd be a bad look. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I I agree. Like, I I think Fournier off the bench would be fine. Like, I'm fine with Fournier hanging out right now. It doesn't really bother me because his game is pretty, like, complimentary on offense. You know, mm-hmm. like he's happy to spot up and he's happy to play off of the ball. Um, he seems I mean, like even experimenting with Obi and Randall, like like you said, Kevin Love, he didn't take <laughs> one shot that wasn't a three. Literally, his shots he took th- uh, twelve three point shots. He didn't take anything outside that. He was good on the boards. He had eleven rebounds, but why not have Randall and Obi out there? Kevin Love wasn't daring them to go inside. Like I, I don't get it. It's, it's my. It's just like, I mean, I think there was another game, the Toronto game, where he played Randall and Obi a bunch in the fourth together, and they actually closed the gap, and they nearly ended up winning that game. Um, and then the last time I think I saw it, I don't. I think that might have been. I think that's actually the last time we saw it because after that is when, um, everybody got COVID, and so we'd had a bunch of absences. But like, yeah, I just. It's just really hard. Like I, and and look, this is ultimately the front office hired tips. So like, this is the coach they hired. These are his tendencies. This is how he plays things. It's really on them at at this point now to like clean it up because you, if you're them, you're probably like, wow, like Grimes, this kid can really play, and like we drafted Obi and we think he can really play, and we think he deserves more minutes and. Yeah, like we traded for fucking Cam Reddish, as you pointed out. We we traded a first round pick for Cam Reddish, so you would think you want to see him and play. Kevin Knox. Yeah, and that's true. We, and we a former first round, first round lottery pick. pick. Yeah. yeah, 
We basically gave up two first round picks for Cam Reddish. <laughs> the old Dave uh, Gettleman method of trading. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like you want to see them play. You have to open up minutes for them. So that requires you to bite the bullet or maybe like, like maybe you think Alec Brooks should return three second round picks and you got to settle for two or two and you got to settle for one. It doesn't really matter. Like you, that's just, if anything, you have a good problem that you have created. Like you have drafted a kid in Grimes who's so good that he's demanding, he's like, he's forcing your hand to open up minutes for him. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. That's like what you want to be doing, right? Like you hit, you hit on the 25th pick two years in a row. That's a good thing. Like be happy. That's a great, good job. Good job, Knicks. Like, these are good problems to have. Cam Reddish is also, like, you made this decision to trade a first-round pick to get him in. I don't particularly love Cam Reddish as a player, but, like, they clearly see something there. So if you see something there, it's incumbent upon you to open up the opportunity for him to play. And, like, I tweeted this out yesterday. I didn't, like, the 10-man rotation yesterday, it's... it. It is not how I would have deployed those ten guys, but I liked playing those ten guys. I liked the st- I I like I liked Cam Reddish coming in instead of Kemba, and I liked the rest of those the other nine guys that we played because they're the same nine guys we played today. Oh, well, I guess Mitch played a little bit yesterday, um, and yeah, but you kind of get my point. Is like because Todd is fine just not playing when we have Mitch and Noel, which apparently is going to be never this year, um, but like. Other than, like the rest of it, I, I was fine with that. I just think like I think Kemba and Burks ultimately at the end of the day you got to get them out of here because you know like Kev said. I mean, when Rose comes back, he's going to play. So that means somebody's coming out of the rotation, and presumably that would be Grimes or Quickly's minutes get cut or whatever it is. It sucks. So like you got to figure that out. And I think the front office has you know I don't want to say they created a mess because I don't think it's really a mess. I just think it's like a situation that requires a little maintenance. It is a little messy with Cam because, like you said, obviously they saw something with Reddish. They traded a pick that might even convey this year. And like you said, we've hit on the 25th pick two years in a row. So it's not like, you know, it was a bad first round pick. Uh, You know, Walt Parent, the God, he knows how to draft. So... You know, Reddish is due for an extension soon. They need to find minutes for him. Obviously, you know, he's still coming back from injury and learning the system and whatnot. So there's still time for him to get out there. I'm not, you know, killing Thibs for not playing him tonight. But, you know, with Rose coming back, where are these minutes coming from? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's going to be solved ideally by trade. Um, I actually think there is a chance. My guess is in practice... Tibbs is going to hammer Reddish to be more aggressive on the glass. But um, if Obi doesn't shoot the way he did tonight, I think his minutes are at risk. Um, I would see that as the... Assuming there's no roster movement, I think that's the most likely thing because I don't think they're not going to play Cam Reddish. Uh, and the thing You don't that, think they won't play? Like, you think Cam is going to play? Yeah, and if, and if there is nothing else, if nothing else opens on the wings, then I think he will take minutes from Obi. Particularly in some of those games where Tib like Obi makes a mistake and Tib just loses his shit. Um, I'm, I'm not saying I would want that to happen. I'm not saying I wouldn't want that to happen um, because I think Obi doesn't really give you a ton on the glass anyway. Um, he probably is a little bit more locked in than Cam as a team defender, but Cam gives you switchability. 
um, and you know, a little more mobility, and he's just a more reliable shooter. Um, and I think that will ultimately matter a little bit. Um, but even that is you're talking about Julius Randle's backup. They didn't trade for him to be Julius Randle's backup either. But um, but what trades are out there? I mean, you can trade Burks for a pick. Do the Knicks want to add more picks? You know, maybe trading Burks replenishes the first that you got that you have to leave give up for Cam Reddish. I don't know what the market for Fournier is going to be beyond like the Lakers. I don't know if we'd want any one of the Lakers. Would you trade? Burks. Would you trade Burks for uh, Taylor Horton Tucker and a couple second round picks? Yeah. Uh, I mean, another kid that Tibbs won't play, but I guess you're moving up someone in that case. If well, that like, was the best I'm just, I'm just there, trying to think, yeah. like, what's... If we're, if we're February 10th and we're, like, we're, like, have an outside shot at the 10th seed, then, yeah, at that point, I'm I, I'm not hopeful. And we Rose is not coming back for several weeks. They said five to six weeks initially. The prognosis hasn't been particularly encouraging. And even when he comes back, I don't know that he's not going to miss any more time. And without that, this isn't... That's, I mean, that's the biggest thing of all, right? Um, you know, we would, we're not having all of these debates about Kemba if Derrick Rose is back. Um, but he's not, and he's not healthy, and that's the shortcoming with him. Um, we're missing Mitch tonight, but who knows if this thing will be a couple more games. If it's, if it's February 10th and the Knicks are like maybe a 10 seed, but a good chance they're out, then I, um, I'm going to trade. Uh, I, I, would, I would say, you know, get picks I, back I, in players. I think you have to trade either way. Like, mm. even if you're the eighth seed, I think you have to trade. Like, I, Burks looks like he... Burks, first of all, they need to make up an injury and give him, like, a week off or something. Because he's got nothing. He's got no legs. He's, like, a shadow of the player he was to start the year. Um, because we excited him too much. Because we decided that he has to play 30 minutes a night running fucking point. Bringing the fucking ball up against ball pressure. And all this bullshit. Oh, yeah, go defend Darius Garland tonight. Oh, yeah, go defend this fucking point guard. Defend that fucking point guard. Like, it's just absurd the load that we put on him to start the year, and I think he's paying the price for it now. Um, I just, I think you have to make the trade. I think you have to make the trade regardless. Even if the Knicks won six in a row, I think you have to make a trade. I don't think... I just don't see a world where this front office... Like, you brought up Obi. I don't think they can move... Like, if Obi starts getting DNPs... That looks terrible for them because because especially because this because well if Cam Obi gets the DNPs that also looks terrible so yeah what's up if Cam gets the DNPs that looks pretty well, bad. that's my point is like I think it looks much worse if Obi gets DNPs by the way because Obi is a guy you drafted eighth overall he was your hand picked highest selection so far uh, he has actually been good this year for the Knicks it's been he's really played. good yeah he's been really good in limited minutes if he starts getting DNPs. Because you traded for Cam, and because Tibbs won't play him and Randall together, like that is a problem, and that is going to look terrible, and that is going to put a lot of pressure on you, and that's going to get a lot of media attention, and you don't want to get media attention with Mister Dolan always lurking around the corner, ready to do something crazy. Like you don't want that. That cannot happen. That cannot happen. The Cam thing, I think. Even if he, like, I don't think he will, and I don't think it should, but if you just can't clean up the rotation stuff this year for enough for him to get minutes, I don't think that'll be a killer this year. But if you don't handle that in the offseason, then it becomes an issue, obviously, as you head into next season. But, like, for me, I just think it's not negotiable. I think, I think 
Burks has to go. I think Kemba has to go. And, you know, um, that's it. Like, that's it's as simple as that to me. And if that doesn't happen, then then the front office is in a very, very, it looks bad. Looks bad. So, I mean, the other potential, I, I mean, I think Kemba might have some fucking serious knee issue that they're trying to, like, rest his way through. I mean, but, it was questionable for like two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my theory is that he has some knee injury condition. I mean, we knew he was damaged goods when he came in, right? So, like, I think there's some, something with his knees that maybe it requires surgery. But if he gets surgery, it's season ending. So the alternative is try to rest it and see if it gets better from there. And I don't think it's getting better. He's looked terrible the last two times he's played. I mean, what was it? The, who did we play before, uh, this where he just looked completely shot. He looked good against Minnesota, but other than that, he's looked terrible. Um, fuck who? Oh, the Pelicans game. Oh my god. Oh my god. That was just like as bad. I think he's so lucky. Randall played so bad, and there's so much focus on Julius because that third quarter for him in that game is one of the most pathetic excuses for professional athletics I've ever seen in my life. Like a pro athlete, I can't believe that. That was. I mean, I, I challenge you to go watch that third quarter again and just watch him and tell me what you think. Like, if you watch every second he's on the floor in that quarter, you would want to get a shotgun and blow your fucking brains out. <laughs> um, he was that terrible. He was fucking awful. And tonight was, like, an improvement on that. I just wanted to, like, punch myself in the dick instead tonight watching him play. Um, you know, like, if th- this is not upside. This is just, like, you know... This just sucks. It sucks with him, and I don't like coming on here and just shitting on him all the time because he seems like you know he's always smiling. He's a very happy guy. Um, so is like, Fizdale. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> together. <laughs> together. <laughs> um, I just I don't like the entire point of signing Kemba was that he was going to help us be the scoring point guard who could like potentially take us to another level. And I mean. Do you guys think he ever takes this to like he he scored forty four and like he had that hot week and I awesome. I did not think that's why he was signed by the way but what did you Mike, think he was signed I for? think Derrick Rose and Kemba Walker are stop gaps. Um, Derrick Rose would be more than a stop gap if he did not get hurt or could handle thirty minutes a night, but that's just not the world we live in. Um, they've drafted two point guards this year. Uh, they drafted another player who plays at point guard last year. Um, and that's and they have a relationship with a point guard in Dallas. I do not think the front office made signed Kemba Walker or Derrick Rose with the intention that these are the guys who are going to take us to the next level or that we were getting to the next level this year. I think they wanted to continue to build an identity um, and give Julius a little more help than he had last year. Sure, but like I guess when I think of next level, I mean being a contender. I don't think this front office signed. Kemba yeah, Walker with illusions with the of him of with the idea that he's going to be, make them a contender. I mean, I, I thought he was signed to like offset the potential regression from Julius, right, and give us a more dynamic fucking primary ball handler than Alfred Payton. Yeah. Um but like low bar, but the the Kemba thing was. I agree it was not I guess when I when I'm saying next level I don't mean like a contender but I thought it was to consistently give us that dynamic primary threat right and obviously that hasn't happened um and like that's okay but 
it's only okay if you bite the bullet. And I'm not, I'm just like, I, I want, I think they're going to, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if they're going to do it yet because they, they haven't done it. So how can I assume that? Um, you know, I, the Cam thing is there too. Uh, they traded for him. They got to find minutes for him. Um, and yeah, like I hear you. They did draft Rokas. They drafted Deuce. Like, you know, we, we don't know their intentions, I guess, necessarily with all of these things. Um, I guess it is safe to say, though, if you're drafting that position so much, you probably don't buy into the guys you've signed there um, as significant long-term pieces of, of consequence. Um, you know, all right, look, enough of this negativity, though. Uh, let's talk a little bit about R.J. Barrett, who I thought was awesome again tonight. Um, he had uh, 24 points. Five rebounds, four assists, 24 points on 16 field goal attempts. Probably should have been a couple more. Would have been nice if it had been a couple more. Uh, he was only five attempts from the free throw line. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't even think the box score really does it justice because of how hideous this game was, but I thought he was awesome. Um, and I just I feel like this team really needs to... I mean, not just this team. We'll talk about Julius a little bit too, but like there's definitely a, you know, look, there's maybe a changing of the guard happening in terms of who should be the primary offensive guy. We're going to, in critical moments, at the end of games, all of that jazz. Um, Kevin, what'd you think? I agree. You know, I I think this is growing. We look better the more that this is RJ's team, you know, I'd say. Um, you know, giving the, him the ball more instead of sticking him in the corner and just, you know, turning him into Robert Ory, letting him actually, you know, be on ball more. And we've been playing better. Um, you know, we had some bad losses last week, but RJ has been playing out of his mind. And it's been so great to see because it, it seems like he's really taking that next step. He's He's been great all month. And if he can keep taking this step forward, I think he can be a guy that can be a franchise cornerstone. You build a team around, make him the centerpiece. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's also just like, because the Knicks have not had this type of wing player in, I don't know, like forever. <laughs> Ever. I guess you could argue Mellow. You could argue like Mellow, but Mellow wasn't really a wing here, right? I, I feel like he was different. He was more of a, a forward right like it was not it was not the same but like what the knicks haven't had a wing like this since like spreewell is that right i think that's right i'm trying to think of like another wing they had that was this dynamic that could do you know play make off the bounce defend at a Frank pretty Lopino. high level Sorry, andrea Frank bargnani Lopino. was very creative but he was a forward so well kp well, I mean, played the three yeah, Rambert. that's right. Well, you know, you don't want to compare him to Frank because that, that's just a bar that, you know, you don't want no, to No, I mean, I, as someone who's probably my favorite Nick that I've watched was Latrell Sprewell, I'm a little hesitant on that because I think he was a much more dynamic athlete. Um, I mean, but I, you're I, right. I'm, not, I mean, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about his athleticism. No, I'm just talking about the idea, like, these are the type of wing players that all the top teams have. And it, that doesn't mean that RJ is going to become an MVP player or top 10 player or whatever, but it is like these type of... Do it of, all forward. Yeah, right? do it all like, wing players. Shump, and I don't think might have had that, that. But Shump is the closest, maybe. Like a young player. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't put Melo in that category. Like, I know what you're saying. So, um, I guess 
chump. <laughs> yeah, but it's so like the Knicks really haven't had this type of wing in forever. And I think to Kev's point, like what you see when he is really going is like what a player like that at that position, what it opens up for you, right? Like it opens up a whole different variety of options for you. Like this is why I think quickly plays well with RJ. Not because quickly is a quote unquote point guard, but because you don't necessarily need a traditional point guard if your wing player can do some of these ball handling, playmaking duties, shot creation burden, all this kind of like if you can shoulder some of that, right? Um, I don't think you or the type of primary ball handler you need is a little bit different. You know, like the ideal version of this guy is somebody like a Kyle Lowry who can play on or off ball. So you have that, but can take control of like the offense when it needs to, right? That's the high end outcome for the type of primary ball handler you want to pair with wings like this. Um, obviously I'm not going to, I'm not talking about like Steph or, you know, shit like that. Like, that's just, that's a completely different level. Um, but like, you know, I just, I just, either way, just to take it back to RJ, I just think he's like, it feels like the game's slowing down for him a lot. Um, I think he's attacking smarter, even though there's still hiccups and there's finishes he fucks up that make me want to like rip my hair out. But um, I mean, that finish he had at the end of the game where he took Mobley down to the post, I mean, that was something else. That was like, I, I did not see that guy. When he was doing it, I was like, this is going to be awful. Like, he's going to get this shit swatted or something. And he just completely worked Mobley, who, I mean, I don't know about you, but I am, like, always amazed by that guy and how good he is on defense. Um, I thought that was such an impressive move. Maybe one of his best ever, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, for as much as we criticize Tibbs, it does seem like Arch has played a lot better since the whole he needs to get in the gym thing. Um, coincidence, maybe, but um, worth documenting, you know, especially after we've criticized Tibbs quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't really care about that. I don't think that's Tibbs. I, think, I don't. Like, <laughs> Maybe I, not I, worth I don't. documenting. <laughs> well, no, no. I, it's like, I'm not going to give Tibbs that because I fundamentally believe. No, no, he yeah, was, yeah, yeah. no I mean, I just think, I think RJ was sick. And I think he had, I yeah. mean, he had, I don't think he had COVID. And I think um, that's one thing that's never been under question is RJ's willingness to get in the gym. So. Yeah, that and that's kind of why, like, like if you want to give Tibbs credit for something, for maybe lighting a fire under his ass, it was maybe that Toronto game where he pulled him at the end after he committed like a couple of stupid turnovers and he just didn't play him in the fourth quarter. And ever since then, he's just been going downhill constantly. Um, and I'll give Tibbs credit this, like even when he's had bad games, like that Minnesota game, he was not good. Um, even when he's had bad games, like what? Uh, I mean, both the games against Boston, he was not particularly good. He hasn't fucked with his minutes since then because I think he sees that RJ has taken what he said to heart. Um, in terms of getting into the paint and making plays and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you want to give Tibbs credit for that, I'll give him that for sure. I mean, I think that that definitely has resonated with him in some capacity. And you mentioned, you know, being able to play on the ball, off the ball. And, you know, that's what I was really excited about with, regarding the Knicks offseason moves with signing Fournier, you know, you know, take the ball up himself and create for himself. But, I think that's where the issue with Kemba 
comes in is Kemba just needs the ball in his hands to be effective, and he's taking shots away from everybody else. He's a negative on defense. I saw a stat earlier. I just pulled it up again. So this is not including tonight, but RJ has played 23 games with Kemba, and he's averaging 14.6 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, and 2.3 assists, and he's shooting 38%. He's played 17 games without Kemba, and he was averaging 20.7 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, 2.8 assists, and he's shooting 44% from the field compared to 38 with Kemba. So, I mean... I just think the game just flows better without Kemba and, you know, letting RJ have the ball in his hands. You know, Randall's been hot and cold this season. You know, he's had a lot more valleys (laughs) than peaks, but when RJ has been the center of the offense, you know, this past month, it's been great. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted this out in the first half, but like when RJ, when Kemba's on the floor, you see RJ in the corner a lot, a lot. Like he's in the corner all the time. Um, And I just don't see like Kemba's just not playing well enough for that to be acceptable. Um, And look, I'll here, I'll, I'll even give Tibbs this. I don't like the point Burks thing. I think it's really stupid, but at least when you get point Burks, RJ gets in the ball a lot more. So in that sense, I'm okay with it. Like, it sucks because I just think if you're going to do that anyway, why don't you just have IQ play point since he's totally not a point guard as is. Um, But like, you know, at least there's that. With Kemba, you don't get that. Kemba tends to monopolize a lot of the ball and he plays a lot at the top of the key area. So you got to kind of keep that clean. Um, So RJ and Fournier for this matter, like, I think he, they end up just sticking in the corner a lot. And I know it's weird because people are like, oh, Fournier is a good shooter. Like, why can't he just, like, space the floor? Like, he, yeah, he's a good shooter, but he's not just a shooter. That's not what he's been in his career. So, like, do I think that we need to cater to him to this high level and, like, run a bunch of sets for him? No, but, like, I think when you play with somebody like Kemba, and, like, let's be real, Julius takes up a bunch of fucking oxygen too, right? Like, he's taking a bunch of shots. Um when you when those two guys are together and they're taking up so much of the kind of on ball time in the half court, whether it be creating shots or whatever, um, it takes guys like RJ and Fournier to a lesser extent, a less important extent, I should specifically say. I don't care as much about it, but it it, it takes them. They don't get into a rhythm. Like I mean, I, I don't remember who tweeted this. I think it might have been uh, Jeffrey who was on the uh, Strickland account today, but he was like he responded to me and he was talking about how RJ hadn't touched the ball until like three or four minutes into the game. You know, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. Like that's just, that can't happen. It drives me crazy too. Cause like you're saying, they're just so slow to get into their sets as well. And like they, it, it's just mind boggling. Like they'll Randall or Kemba will just dribble for half the shot clock. And they're like, all right, yeah, let's try something now. And it's just, it doesn't work. Yeah, and like, like the thing is, it's like I don't even think IQ is not particularly great about getting speeding them up on the offense. And like, I don't think he's amazing at it. But what I think he does is like he does a better job of just like running an action and then getting Julius an advantage and giving him the ball, and then Julius can do something with it. Um, is it like high level point guard stuff? No, but like you don't have that on this team. And quite frankly, you haven't played IQ enough a point guard to like have him develop even that like he i don't know if he has that in him but like 
he hasn't played enough to for that to even be a concern of mine of his yet. Like, you know, I just I'm happy when he goes in there and like it looks like he can run a basic offense. You know, like I really am because I watch Kemba and Burks and I honestly think they are much worse than quickly at running offense. Like, and that's not that's less like high praise for quickly and more criticism of those guys. And not I mean Burks isn't whatever that's he's not even supposed to be a point guard but for Kemba like this guy. I, it's honestly kind of shocking. It just shows like how dynamic of a you know offensive playmaker and shot creator he was, despite not really having the best natural feel for running point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I guess like Stacy, like I mean, like it's not just this game either from RJ. I mean, last night, yesterday he was awesome against the Clippers. Um, you know, I know he didn't finish with the most efficient shooting line from the field. I missed a lot of bunnies at the end, but he did play the entire second half, which was an interesting choice uh, on a back-to-back. Um, but, like, what did you think about just, you know, like what we've seen from him lately in terms of the all-around game? Um, I think his defense has been more inconsistent as a whole this season than it was last year. That has been a lot more consistent the last few games. Um, that I think actually um, preceded even the recent offensive resurgence. He's shooting with a lot of confidence. Um, I think, like, yeah, like when he gets to run pick and roll, um, he has a case as the best pick and roll. Dis- I think someone said he's the best passer out of pick and roll on the team. Um, I think Rose's passing is a little underrated, um, but RJ definitely has is in that discussion. Generally, I think his finishing has been good. And, I mean, yeah, when the three-pointer is falling, everything just looks so much easier for him. Um, I mean, you, like, this is this is what we want to see from the third overall pick. This is when you talk about him being a guy maybe one day that is worth $100 million on his second contract or a max one day, right? Um, these are the kind of stretches you're talking about. And that, with that said, he hasn't been perfect. He had the seven-turnover game. He's still working through some decision-making, but even some of the really head-scratching decisions are coming out of a um, out of a decision to be more aggressive. Like, he had one where Obi cut, and he tried to really zing one in there, and it was a bad read. The defender, like, was right with Obi. Um, he needed to kick it out, but he's trying to make quick decisions, and he's trying to be aggressive with the ball. Uh, he's trying not to be a check-down passer. Um, really, the only thing I, I was unhappy about was the free throws, which I don't know what to say about that with the whole team. Um, but he's flying around on defense. Um, to, I mean, I like that he was willing to take the big shot today. He had, he forced contact and got to the rim late, um, you know, after quickly took that terrible shot. So, I mean, it's tough to, um, it, it's tough to really find anything wrong. And it, it, I think this is more, more important than anything else. Um, that is, is, Making sure at the end of this year they're confident in you know in wanting to extend RJ and RJ being part of the future, um, and I think this recent stretch and hoping he can even if he tails off a little bit you know in terms of the hot shooting if he can maintain this level of pro- this kind of process, um, I think no matter what happens in terms of record the Knicks will feel look really good. I think he's ready to break the Charlie Ward, Ward curse. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, hold on. One thing is, when you hear this pop up, does that only apply to first round picks? I think so. Yeah, I've only seen it attached with first round picks. 
I so don't Mitch, think, Mitch cannot break this. Charlie no, I think, I think Mitch would count. I think it Mitch, but we haven't signed, we haven't even signed a second round pick to a second contract since then. So Andy, Ron Baker, Ron was Baker was undrafted. <laughs> He's undrafted. So it has to be a draft pick. Yeah. Um, I think the big, the big key for me with him is he is, um, so last year when you would score 24 or something like that, if you if you if you look at all his box scores, he would have been like five of eight from three, right? He would have had to do a lot of damage from three. Tonight, he scored twenty four points, one of four from three. That's a huge step. Like that means that so that means he went eight of twelve from two, and five of I mean five of ten from the free throw line. But he got to the line fucking ten times, so he drew five fouls. Uh, shooting fouls. Like, I think that is, I mean, that's, that's ma- major progress. This is like, I don't think, the, I don't care what the efficiency is right now. Um, it's not going to be great. Um, especially overall, the struggles would be there game in, um, you know, game to game. But like, he's showing you those nights that he can be an efficient scorer um, and a high usage guy without being on fire from three. Um, and that's, you know, that's really, I mean, that's like when we have talked about comms for RJ and I mean, I say we broadly and specifically, I guess too. Um, but like, I mean, Jimmy Butler has always been one that people like a lot. I mean, Jimmy Butler is an efficient scorer and he doesn't shoot threes at all worth a damn. So this is kind of how you do it. You had to get to the paint and get to the rim, finish at the rim, get to the line a bunch starting to do it a lot more frequently um and it's happening but like i just i'm waiting for the first rj triple double i feel like that's gonna happen this year Ooh, hey yeah it hasn't happened has it yeah i don't know if, has he ever had a double digit assist game i think that happened this year hold on i can figure this out um yeah i, I just i don't know like it's so just to like see his growth and stuff is his career really high in assists is nine Happened in 2019 against the Bulls. Oh yeah, I remember that game. That was the Bobby Portis game. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't know. I just I feel like it's he's that that corner is getting turned. He's he's close. He's very close to like you know. I mean, he had 28 yesterday. He had 24 today. Um, and I yes, think that's the biggest thing. He's he's finally building consistency. And that's you know, he's been he was sick earlier in the season, you know, he's been hot and cold, but he's been on fire the whole month of January pretty much. He's he's building that consistency. You, you pencil him in for twenty points a night and you know what you're gonna get from RJ. And I want just want to see him follow through. You know, I don't I'm not asking him to score twenty points a night the rest of the season, but it's 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 good when you know you have a wing that can do that, and like you said, you know the rebounds, the assists—they're all coming together. And he might have a triple double before the end of the season. You know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did. So I'm just looking at his game log going back to uh, the the uh, Oklahoma City game, which was on New Year's Eve. He has scored 26, 19, 32, 13, 19. 31, 32, 26, 18, 17, 17, 28, and 24 tonight. So, like, I mean, you're getting, the lowest there was 13. You're basically just getting consistently, at least in the high teens and mostly in the 20s, if not 30s. Um, 
yeah, I, I would say he's definitely figuring it out. Uh, and, you know, seems to be doing it more efficiently, too, which is obviously the key to it all. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just, we need, I mean, he's up at 35% from three this year and 5.5 attempts. The pull up game hasn't really come, but we don't, I mean, that it's tough to be a high volume pull up shooter. That's probably a second contract thing, but it's something I think you can feel pretty confident about coming in a second contract. Um, and, and then you have a two way player. Um, yeah, I mean, I would said like, I see him as a one to two time all-star is like, if I had to bet on an outcome, um, that's the one I would pick. Like I can see him having a couple career years where he's in like the, the mid twenties, uh, and then putting up six rebounds, six assists and some efficient shooting. Uh, and most of his career, um, you know, a, a, an above average offensive player who does everything really well and just makes the team better, but isn't like putting up wild counting stats. I think that's fine. And I, that's, that's a player worth like 25 million, right? So, um, there's nothing to, that's discouraging around that. Is he the guy that's going to the, be the best player on the championship? I mean, do you do you see that as an outcome? Because I know, Shwini, you're pretty optimistic on him. I don't need that to be an outcome for me to think R.G. Barrett was a good pick or a great pick. But, um, but you know, I mean, do you see that as still in the cards for him or, or a potential outcome? I'll, I'll let Kev go first. Um... So we need to remember he's only 21. He's doing this at 21. Do I think he could be the best player on a championship team? I don't know. You know, that's a really high ceiling. Do I think he could be a Kawhi? Do I think he could be a LeBron? You know, that level? I don't know. I mean, the trajectory he's on, he gets that free throw percentage up, another, you know, 10 to 15%. I don't see why he can be the best player on a really good playoff team. Um, but. I don't know. You know, he's, I think he has a really high ceiling and he's a good defender. He can score, you know, he's still working on the three level scoring, but he gets to the rim at will. His shot is coming around. He's, he's at 35%, you know, on 5.5 attempts. It's really good. You know, a little regression from last year, but he's still pretty consistent from three. Um, it's just the free throws, man. He's, he's get those free throw percentage up and, uh, you know, I don't see why he can't be an all-star. Yeah, I don't actually think that he's ever going to be a number one guy in a title team or anything like that. I actually have never thought that. Um, but what I was fairly convinced of after last season was that he can be a number two guy or at least a number three. Um, but do you think like still, he can, yeah, and I didn't mean to put words in your mouth or anything, but like, do you think he'd be like a five to six time all-star? Or like, yeah, 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 yeah. I expect him to be. Like, I, I expect him to be that. And I don't see why that should not be a reasonable expectation to have. I, You know what? I, I honestly think Knicks fans, there's like two sets of Knicks fans that seem to be down on RJ. And one of them is like... Tyrese? Yeah, I mean, he, he is a type of Knicks fan. Uh, but like, he... Like, it's it's just fans who are like, oh, well, like... I mean, the Jalen Brown thing was always funny to me because it's like, well... Oh, like he could never. It's like, what was Jalen Brown doing his third year in the NBA? You know, he wasn't doing anything spectacular. Like, it takes it takes guys a while sometimes to well, put to like in Wiggins, right? I, that was yeah. that was always the derogatory comp towards RJ, but he's been extremely important to them, and it took him till twenty five, twenty six to really get there. And I think RJ is farther ahead in terms of field than Wiggins was at the same age. I think he wants it more. He's a better player. Like Wiggins. 
I don't care what he the fuck he does in Golden State because I particularly just don't buy into it. Um, I think if you take Steph off that team, if you take Draymond off that team, he's the same guy. I think he's better. Sure, than but him. I think that he would still be. A, he's a plus player now, which is not something I would have said for the early part of his career. Yeah, he's a plus player because of who he plays with. Like I'm not. I still am not particularly impressed by Andrew Wiggins. Um, like he's definitely he tries harder. I think he'd be a plus player. Like on this team, he would be a plus player. Yeah, he try. He definitely tries harder, which makes a huge difference when you're what six, seven, and athletic and have great size. And, and he can shoot. Physical. I mean, he's he's yeah. turned into a skilled, like a skilled scorer, not just a guy who is athletic with you know that kind of thing. So yeah, and I guess like my thing with RJ is like, like RJ doesn't have the high end skills in terms of creating a shot off the bounce, getting into pull ups, and all that kind of stuff. And even then, he is averaging, what, 17.4 points per game now this year? Um, yeah. He is, you know, he's he's already doing things. And he's, he's taking a lot more shots this year uh, unassisted than he did last season. He's not taking as many threes, I don't think. Um, yeah, his three-point rate is actually higher this year. Um, but, like... His assisted rate is much lower, so he's getting assisted on a lot less of his shots. Um, last year, he was assisted. I mean, in general, from two, he's just not getting assisted much. And I think we're seeing the benefits of like putting the ball in his hands and letting him create. and And he looks more comfortable doing that. And we seem to look better as a team doing that than when we ask him to restrict his game to more of an off-ball floor spacer type which I think really restricts him and it doesn't allow him to get into a rhythm. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm really bullish on him. I think, I don't know how, I mean, I'd have to do one of those fucking searches, but like, I don't know how many wing players at age 21 that put up 17 and 6 and 3 or whatever are not, um, don't end up multiple time All-Stars. You know, I, I just don't see who does it? Um, you know, Jalen Brown, just to go back to it, but Jalen Brown, his third year, this is what he did. 13 points, four rebounds, 1.4 assists. He shot 46.5 from the field, 34.4% from three. Um, Look at his I, free throw percentage, too. Yeah, his free throw percentage was 65.85. He's at 78% this year, so it's possible he can get better, you know? I think he will get better. Like, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I will never put a ceiling or not. I will never cap. Like, I think he's going to get every bit of his career, every bit out of his career that you could reasonably expect because that's the type of work ethic he has. Um, I don't see him allowing himself to, I mean, all his, his answer yesterday, they asked him if he was happy with it. And he was like, I'm always hungry. I want to get better. Um, today they asked him about free throws and he's, he talked about, he's like, you know, I, that's, you know, points I left on the table in a two point game. I can't afford that. I have to fix it. Like, look, I, I hate doing this because I don't want to turn into like a RJ versus Randall thing. But like, I mean, you listen to those things RJ says lately. And then you listen to like Julia's talk about like, Oh, I love Mr. Th- thank you, Mr. Dolan for paying my fines and all this. Like, I mean, which guy comes across like a leader, which guy on the court comes across more like a leader. You know, I just think that there's something to be said for that. And, you know, like, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just really believe in him. I think that he wants it. 
at a level that matters more than most NBA players. Um, and I just think he's going to always find a way to to make things happen and and improve his game. And you know, Stacey, you talked about it. Like the pull up shooting isn't even anywhere close to where it needs to or should be, maybe even. But like, give it time. Like, give it time. I mean, I I think that he's already productive enough that you should be willing to bet on more more to come. Um, and yeah, I mean, it would obviously be great if at the end of the year he's averaging like. 20 points per game, you know, because those random statistical thresholds do mean something, uh, or at least they look nicer on a stat sheet. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, I don't know. I just, five or six time all-star just, to me, that's not like a crazy expectation of a third overall pick. And I mean, I think it's, it'll be interesting to see which players fit next to him because you don't, he's not yet the guy you want running your offense through, although he's showing up that he's capable of it. You want someone to share ball handling duties with him. You don't want him to be like Alec Burks or what they're trying to do with, like, with Alec Burks. Um, but you also don't want someone who's going to relegate him to the corner. Um, so you want a guard who can get their own shot, but who prefers to kind of move within without the ball um, who can space, who can make quick decisions. Um, so, I mean, it's just food for thought in terms of how, and I think that should be chief in their mind in terms of how they want to build out this roster. Um, I think they have three point guards who fit that mold. Um, they have several bigs who are, I think RJ plays best with a lob threat. Uh, maybe you want to look at more of a stretch four type, but you know, uh, maybe Randall's shooting comes back, but uh, Kev, to, to your point earlier, I think this is a situation where when you think about the long-term outlook of this, I mean, yeah, like when we talked about trades, right? The idea of pairing someone like De'Aaron Fox or even Jalen Brunson with Randall, like that's not how I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about who's going to look good around Barrett. Um, and what the Knicks have done, you know, I don't know if they were intentionally drafting like this, but they've surrounded the, the young guys are a bunch of a, a bunch of terrific shooters and then two lob threats. So that's a pretty good. If you're thinking about Rand, uh, RJ being at the center of that, that's a pretty good way to go. So um, a lot of enthusiasm about the young core, but um, he's definitely the uh, the shining star. And I think RJ is the guy that you look for, like long term. Like who should you put around RJ basically to build this team? Um, you know, I, I think RJ, I want to see them re-sign Mitchell Robinson, Manuel quickly and Grimes are probably the four cogs of this team going forward. Um, I don't know if I forgot anybody, but those are the four I would say. Um, and you know, that brings it up to a trade, you know, if they're going to, and that's the thing too, you know, trading Burks, Kemba, Noel, you know, that's a lot of good filler salary for a trade for, you know, a superstar if that pops up, um, and developing these guys, you know, they're going to have to part with either, you know, quickly Grimes, Obi. I don't think they're going to trade RJ in a trade for a superstar. Um, I think he's probably the only untouchable on this team right now. Yeah, I I don't. That's fucked up. (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think you can. You definitely can't trade RJ. Um, He's just way too. He's way too solid. Like you can't. 
you get so much out of him. He's 21. He's durable. He plays multiple positions. He can defend multiple positions. He's shown you a breadth of skills that you are desirable for wing players in terms of finishing, shooting, playmaking. Um, does he have flaws? Absolutely. Is he the most dynamic, above-the-rim player to ever exist? No. Um, yeah, like these are all concerns, but you know, you look at the way he has handled his stature in New York, playing for the Knicks, uh, and then you compare it to somebody like Kristaps when he was here, or even Julius now. You know, I think if you if you make those comparisons, he looks great. I mean, he looks like a, such a mature guy that you want to build your franchise around. Um, and that just and that doesn't mean that I think you know because I, I don't think he's like a LeBron that you're just gonna everything needs to be about maximizing him. But like, is he really a difficult player to build with? I don't think so. Like, I I buy the three point shot being around like thirty seven ish percent or something for his career. That's a good percentage. He's a good shooter, not a great shooter. Um, I think he's a willing teammate. Like, I don't think he gets into mode sometimes where he's forcing a bullshit. But that happens with every scorer who's ever played. That's not like a RJ specific issue. Um, I also think he shows really good tendencies. Like, that's probably the most exciting thing for me with those those units with a lot of the young guys like i like the way they play together i like how quick like i like when rj plays with quickly and obi and grimes because i think they get up the floor i think they share the ball well i think their games naturally complement each other in very interesting ways i think that they occupy they all like to occupy different spaces on the floor um that's huge that's that's such a big key because it makes them naturally complementary fits um now is that the makings of a lineup that is going to contend not unless a few of those guys make incredible leaps but we're not really at that point where we need to worry about that we're at the point where we just need to keep stacking these chips and stacking these young guys together um and seeing how that builds and um eventually yeah pull the trigger and trade for a star but like i'm okay i, I don't need that to happen right away and like that is probably what I hope the front office doesn't fuck up too much. Is like I don't need I don't need them to um make a move, a big splashy move for a star anytime soon. I don't even give a shit if they don't make a move for Deer like I don't need them to go get me De'Aaron Fox or Jalen Brunson or whatever point guard. I think they have drafted guys that play well together. I want to see what those guys look like together. I understand Julius Randle is going to be here. I think Julius Randle would benefit a lot from playing with those guys more than playing with the veterans, to be quite honest. I think if you do that, you give yourself time, and I think a lot of these young guys can surprise you if you give them more minutes. You know, um, it's it's, just, it's tough because with Alec Burks, like you don't want to just dump him. Like he is a like he's a valuable piece on a cheap contract, right? So. That's kind of tough, even if it means more Grimes minutes. Is it tough? Like it's tough, but like it shouldn't be tough for a front office. That should be a layup for a front office, I think. And you would take that THT trade, to be clear, right? I mean, I would do it just mostly because I think you can probably find a home for THT. Like you can probably find a third team that would just take THT's contract, give you a similar one, and you can move on. Like I don't, I like. What is J- Jeremy Lamb's? Jeremy Lamb's on an expiring contract. 
Um, Indiana likes to get these guys who are young and on contract over there if they can. I think you could easily find a trade like that. Like Jeremy Lamb, I don't want to play him, really. But like, yeah, but if we trade for him, contract. Then, then you might end up in the same situation, right? Yeah, like you just have, you have to find the right guy, obviously, too, to like trade for, like a guy who just clearly won't play, right? Um, I don't know who that is, but like ultimately, that's your job as a front office, and they have to do it. Like they have to find the right moves. Um, you know, look, the the Lakers are fucking desperate. Okay, they're desperate as hell. I think you can probably unload Burks and Kemba on them and move on with your life. Like, you know, I just, the Knicks have to find a way to, to do it because these young guys play well together. They're fun. Um, you know, maybe that stuff shouldn't matter on a very professional level, but like as a fan, it matters to me. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun watching them play together and I'd actually like to see them play together more. Um, so like, you know, Taylor Horton Tucker, nine and a half, Kendrick Nunn, five mil. Sure, man. Trade both those guys for fucking Burks and Kemba. Give us a couple seconds or some shit like that and move on with my life. Like, I don't care. I just, I I would, I don't like to trade Burks because I actually really like Burks. But so does Tibbs. <laughs> That's the problem. Tibbs likes Burks a little bit too much. Um, and, you know, you got to make tough decisions. And I think this is just one. Like, I, I, and I will say this, like, I know we only saw Cam Reddish for five seconds. But I thought that coast to coast layup he had was like pretty impressive because it's the tight he he just did it in a way that was so smooth and I don't think really like even RJ like when he goes coast to coast it's very kind of bruising. Um, Cam was really he looked really smooth in that in that move and um, you know well it's one play obviously so who the fuck knows but when you see something like that it like I get why they traded for him you know I, I get it like I. You can visually see those, his movement and the way he, he is, like, why that would be appealing. And I'm not surprised about Cam Reddish because at the end of the day, I'm a Rashad Phillips disciple. And <laughs> Cam Reddish is your favorite Hooper's favorite Hooper. So I know he's got game. But oh, I actually feel bad for Alec Burks because I, I'm with you guys. I think he is a valuable piece. He's a great spark off the bench. And I think Thibs is doing a disservice by having him start at point guard. He, he's not an NBA starter. He's a nice spark off the bench. He can get you buckets off the bench. And that's what he's good for. And I think he is a little burnt out because he was playing a lot of minutes starting at point guard. But I think he could have really good value on a contender. And, um, you know, like you said, the Lakers are desperate. I would love to get that first round pick off the Lakers' hands. But. You know, I don't know if they're that desperate for a couple of bench pieces. Um, you know, well, they, I think they have their own decisions to make, right? No, absolutely, yeah. They, I mean, they, it's I think it's, it's going to be the middle. The middle class got a lot bigger this year in the NBA. Uh, there's really only five or six teams that you can legit say are tanking, and there are like Indiana seems to be a team that has made its decision, but they had obviously the opportunity to go. For more, if they wanted to really, um, you know, they have the talent to do so, but they've elected not to. I think other teams will follow suit. Um, I don't think any team with LeBron James is going to do that. Um, but who knows, right? So it's going to be interesting because there, there are going to be some good teams with the opportunity to take a get a high draft pick uh, in a draft class that um, doesn't seem that exciting. But we've said that before. We said that in twenty twenty, and that one looks terrific. So. Um, 
you know, um, it's, it's, um, I mean, yeah, I'm just very curious what this front office is thinking because we know Tibbs is going to try to win as many games, hell or high water. I don't think the front office wants to encourage culture where that's not the case, but I also don't think they want to be playing a lineup that wins them two or three extra games. And that's the difference between the 10th seed and like the 11th seed or whatever, and a lottery pick. And, um, you know, if it's not going to bear much fruit. And, you know, um, but the last thing I will say is, you know, we we wring our hands a lot about Tibbs not playing the young guys, but I think his tack, track record in actually improving their games is pretty, it's tough to argue with. I don't think he's, like, people say he's hurting the development of Obi or whoever. I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, I think part of it is just we would rather see them play. Um, but long-term, do I think Quickly or Obi Toppin or Reddish or anyone is really worse off? Um, that is, I think, a little bit tough because, you know, I think we've all talked about Tibbs' track record in developing young guys. So, um, Yeah, no, I, I actually agree with that. I don't think he's bad at developing talent. What I think he's bad at is recognizing when that talent is developed and then empowering it more. To actually um, win games. But I don't think he's actually... No, he's not bad at developing players. He's not going to hurt their development by not playing. No, them. that's all. I I can't think of a single young player who was with Tibbs and was ruined by his development of them. In fact, a lot of them, other than Cat, most of those guys swear by him. Like, and even Cat, you know, he apparently wants to squash the beef now or whatever. Who the fuck cares? Um, but like, Lavina said positive things about him. Wiggins has said positive things about him. Um, we know for sure Butler loves him. We know Rose loves him. We know Gibson loved him. Gibson was a young player when uh, Tibbs took over in Chicago. We know Noah loves him. I mean, these are dang, the, yeah, you dang. These are the key young players that he has had uh, in both of his previous stops in New York. Um, from what we know so far, IQ loves him. Obi has said positive things about him publicly. I don't know how he feels about him behind closed doors. It would not, sh- it would not shock me if he felt differently. Uh, RJ seems to like he's him probably more pissed about his minutes than anything else. I don't think right. Exactly, Obi, it's not going to be a thing where like Obi, like Obi's another work ethic guy, so he's probably just pissed that he's not getting enough playing time. Which yeah, is, yeah. if anything, and we know we know we know RJ likes him. So like, it, it's not like he has this track record of a bunch of young guys who like he destroys their career and then they go on to like be amazing somewhere else. You know, it's it's not the same thing. Um, at the same time, though. If you're the Knicks, like at a certain point, you need to have a coach who's willing to put those guys in the positions to be the difference, right? Like tonight, they lost, but overall, I come away from a game like this feeling pretty okay about a lot of things. You know, I might have some concerns about Tibbs, but like, like I said, you know, the Knicks missed free throws. It was a two point game. Cleveland's good. You know, like this is not like a game against some. This isn't like the Pelicans game or something, right? Like, did Tibbs coach a perfect game? No. Players didn't also... They, the players didn't play a perfect game, you know? And some of that stuff is... It's not on him. Like, he can't do anything if Fournier misses open shots. He can't do anything if, like, you know, um, Nerland's Noel doesn't grab a loose ball sometime. Or if a fucking random tip ball goes to Garland in the fucking corner. And, like, he can't... Like, th- not everything is out of coaching. Um, but like, you know, um, 
at, like as, at least in a game like this, when you get the minutes that you got, you can feel good about it in that sense. You know, like it feels like you actually are building to something then, right? Even though Randall played a lot, because Rand, like, I, it's not like I don't want to play any vets, but I just want the minutes to be a little bit more equitable and for the young guys to get the opportunity to make the difference in games in key moments. And at the very least, he gave quickly and Grimes those oppor- those minutes today. He gave them the opportunity. Uh, and they directly address some of those weaknesses, right? In terms of athleticism, we can sit here and cry and be like, "There's no point in criticizing Tibbs because the roster lacks talent. We don't have a point guard, so all of this is moot." But it's like, well, hold on. There are we it, th- that can be true, and it can also be true that we struggle with dynamic athletic players. So why would we not play younger athletic players if we're not really getting? the shot creation or whatever from the older guys. So that's that's really all it is. Because I see that as like, the Knicks just lack talent, man. There's no point in nitpicking what Tibbs is doing. It's like, sure, but there are specific things that they can be better at, you know? But, sorry, go ahead. I'll let Kev go, because I'm sure Kev has thoughts a lot. I mean, I was really angry about Thibs coming into this. But, I mean, looking at the minutes distribution, you know, if you're one of those, let's play the young guys, it's hard to really get mad at him. I mean, you know, he had his blunders with the rotation, in my opinion. But, you know, quickly in Grimes, they played more than Burks. They played more than Kemba, Fournier. There's Randall and uh, RJ led the way with, you know, 30-plus minutes. Everybody else was under 30. So, And he played Obi. Like, Obi like, played 15 this- minutes tonight. And I know what people, like, I understand why you want Obi to close the game. And I don't disagree with that, fundamentally, because he did earn it, is probably the best. He did earn that. He earned that with his play tonight. 13 and 6 in 15 minutes. Um, I don't even think that does him justice. Like, he he was awesome. Um, But, like, Randall, like, if you're going to, you can't, you really can't get that mad about that. Because you have to know that ultimately... You pay Randall that money, like you have to go back to him. That's not to me. That is not a decision that I'll kill Tibbs for. It'd be different if Randall played forty and Obi plays eight. That is shit I can't accept. That's unacceptable to me. I think that's bullshit. But thirty-three and fifteen, I can live with that because now we're talking about like Tibbs. Can you just find me like three minutes where they play together a game? Like three to five minutes they play together. Like we're not far off then from what I want. I can live with this. I can live with this. All I would say, though, is like, is this actually going to... It's not going to hold. That's the problem. It's like, if the starters have a good game, like, they're... The bar he holds, Burks to. Kemba to. Like, like the their bar is so much lower than the bar of Quickly, of Grimes, of Obi, where it's like, those guys have to come in, and they have to be positively impactful. And in another night, if the starters have a little bit more juice, he like quickly would not have played 26 minutes if Kemba looked a little bit more lively on offense. Um, is that the right thing or the wrong thing? I, I don't know, but like it was also the second night of a back to back. That's worth mentioning too. Yeah, it was 100. percent Yeah, and I just I don't know. Like I I would like to. So think yeah, that, if like, it wasn't maybe Kemba yeah. finishes and this is. Yeah, I I just I would like to think that. This means, you know, Tibbs has turned a new leaf and we're going to... But we've seen this before. That's the problem. We've seen this before and it always reverts back to a place of shit, right? It fucking sucks. And, um, you know, like, like, today, it's just like, it's it, this was perfect. This was so good in a lot of ways. Like, 
Burks didn't have it tonight, and he pulled him early in the fourth quarter. You know, like, that's that's what you want to do with Burks. Burks is a type of, like, microwave player, right? Like, I think even more so than quickly, if he's not scoring well, he's not, at, like, he's not like a Fournier where he can't play well without scoring well. But he his playing well is definitely more tied to scoring than somebody like quickly, and definitely, definitely somebody more than Grimes. <laughs> Grimes, like, even if he had gone, if he had missed two of threes he made, I would have still came out of this feeling like he played a good game. You know, I thought he played a really good game against um, the Clippers yesterday. He went two of ten in that game. Like, I just come away watching him, and I think the game is starting to slow down for him a little bit offensively, where, like, he's not just... Like, sometimes when he, he catches the ball and he tries to move way too fast, I think it's slowing down for him a little bit. Like, he's not making as many of those stupid decisions. But, like, yeah, I mean, just overall, like, if you just change the way the minutes played out in this, like, if quickly comes in a little bit longer and you stagger the minutes more with him and Grimes and uh, Randall and RJ, like, I think the broader view of this game would be very different than like what I think people took out of it. And I'm guilty of it too. Like in the moment, you know, like, I mean, I tweeted in the, I, I thought it was kind of bullshit in the first half. He brought in Burks ahead of quickly. And I'm like, so I guess Burks is the point, like Burks is the first sub for Kemba. And I'm like, so I guess he thinks, quickly is the the fourth point guard in the team behind Burks. Um, but, you know, like, who knows? I, maybe it is situational. I just, it just needs to change a little bit. Like, that's all I'm asking is, like, can you stagger more? Can, like, it's 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 just frustrating because of how rigid he's shown himself to be so far. Rigid and erect. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, uh, Grimes, Grimes had the highest plus minus on the team tonight. He was plus 21, and Obi was plus 20. I mean, they had it going. Like you said, Obi was tremendous tonight. So, Yeah, and I mean, it's – look, I hate to do this because I don't think it's this simple, but Randall played 33 minutes, minus 22. Obi played the other 15 minutes of the four, plus 20. It's a two-point game. You know, um, is it that simple? I don't know. I don't think so, but – you know, uh, at some point, like, you, you need Julius to find it. You got to find some consistency. And, like, you know, it, I think it's easy for people to say, like, yeah, you got to hold him accountable. And I've said that, too. But, like, not just, like, accountability is one thing. But, like, you can't actually expect him to bench Julius or, like, bring him off the bench or drastically cut his minutes. You know, like, it's just not a reasonable expectation to have um, given his contract status right now. And, you know, I think that you just, that is the obstacle that I have sympathy, uh, I have some sympathy for Tibbs on. Because Julius is the guy that he has to play a certain amount of minutes. And if he doesn't play in those minutes, I mean, I don't think that's a a non-negotiable. I think he has to play in those minutes. So if Julius doesn't have it together, I mean, there's not much he can do, like, you can sit here and talk about all the coaching like nuances of how to use Julius as a screener and you know run second side action so RJ can get more touches and but like ultimately Julius just has to be better on the court and that's on Julius that's not on Tibbs that's not on the guards he's playing with that's not on anybody but Julius Randle Julius just has to be better that's it like I don't think there's any way around that ultimately and I think we all expected some regression on Julius's shooting this season but his effort 
on defense has just been abysmal at times this season. I mean, especially today, there were some the love huge stuff, mislaps. The love, oh my god, the stuff on Love was ridiculous. Like he hit two straight threes. They called a timeout. I'm sure in the timeout, Tibbs is like addressing Kevin Love, like switch it or whatever you're going to do. And I think they were switching it. Um, but like, I mean, yeah. Then then you come out of the timeout and immediately he leaves Love open for two open threes. And it's like, I mean, there's only so much you can excuse. And yeah, I'm with you on that. that the effort stuff has been ridiculous. Like, I don't care if he's missing shots, if he's playing balls to the wall, but it's just, he just looks so lackadaisical out there sometimes. And it's really frustrating to watch because he is supposed to be the guy right now. And it, it just looks like he doesn't give a shit. I mean, I, I don't know. Stacey, do you agree with that? Like, do you think that Julius. I don't know if he didn't give a shit tonight, but I think he played pretty fucking stupid. I would say, like, the, the third quarter in particular was really bad from him. Really, really bad. And I thought the first quarter was his best. He had four assists in the first yep. quarter. He finished the game with four assists. Yeah, the first... I thought, that actually, the process of the beginning of the game I liked on offense. Mm-hmm. They made some... like They only finished 21 points, but um, I thought... Um, I thought Randall and, and RJ played well. Um, do I think he doesn't give a shit? No. Um, I think that he loses focus from time to time. I think the fatigue gets to you. But it, the reality is it's tough to carry that kind of offensive load um, and play hard defense all the time, especially at 250 pounds. Um, I mean, I, I think that that's just, that is what it is. Um, and then in terms of, you know, in terms of playing stupid... If you recall, several months ago, um, the Knicks played five games against a team that had an elite rim protector, that had a stretch four, who often got free um, and could hit shots, and a dynamic guard, right? And that put Randall in positions where he had a lot of responsibility and um, on both ends. And on both ends, he struggled. On defense, you know, when to help, when to rotate. Um, against a pretty uh, fast-paced team, or they're, they're not fast-paced. The Cavs played at a, at a quick, at a slow pace. But with Garland, it's some of their other ball handlers and their wingy guys who can do a lot of things. Plus the shooting they put out there, um, you know, he wasn't up to it. And then on offense, yeah, like the the Cavs are able to recreate a lot of what the what the Hawks do. Um, and um, that was another thing where I think they things went well when they attacked Garland. I would have liked to see them do that a little bit more. Um, that's another thing where we would have liked to see get a little bit more out of Kemba. But um, but do I think like yeah, I, I've I've been hesitant to go with the Julius doesn't give a shit stuff or like uh, you know he's not engaged or whatever. I think he's he's not an elite decision maker. He has good feel. He's an intelligent basketball player. I mean, not LeBron James. He's not Luka Doncic. Um, and when you combine that with the fact that he's got good skill, he's a decent shooter, uh, kind of inconsistent, not a great shooter. He's a solid passer. Uh, he's strong. Like when you when you add all of that up, and you ask that person to be a star, it's not sustainable. Um, which is not now. I think they could put him in better positions. I think that in a lot of these cases, when you look at the flaws of people, everyone on this roster has some glaring flaws. For RJ, that's being able to consistently finish in traffic. For Julius Randle, it's being able to get to the rim 
um, and finish over length, right? Uh, over elite length and, and as well and, and shooting. Uh, for someone like Emmanuel, quickly, it's the fact that he can't get to the rim. But when you play these, again, like a jigsaw puzzle, when you play them together, some of their strengths and some of their weaknesses are hidden by other people's strengths and vice versa, right? So when you play quickly with RJ, you play him with someone who can get him the ball and the move and who is going to keep the, the health defender busy, um, as well as look for him in transition, that kind of masks the fact that RJ isn't great at from like a standstill or from a non-advantageous position, getting himself a good look at the rim. Um, to a lesser extent, that applies to Julius. Uh, someone like Grimes, who is not great at putting the ball on the floor, again, you play him with RJ, um, and you know that becomes less of an issue because he can just focus on moving without the ball and making and being a connector, right? Um, and so you can kind of, that's really what you'd want to see out of Tibbs, and that could make Julius look you know, we wouldn't be talking as much about it. But instead, what they're deciding to do is ask him to do his Kawhi Leonard impression, and it's just tough to do. And um, you know, you're seeing what he is, which is a good a good NBA player, um, but someone who's paid like the 40th best player and um, someone a lot closer to there than um, the, the All NBA player that we saw last year. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that when when that player is asked to be that All NBA player, that's when you start to see things like, man, does he even care? Yeah, I mean, I thought the end of the game for him was, like, exactly all the issues with him. Like, we use him, like you said, like, we're treating him like he's a top 10 player that you just throw the ball to in crunch time and let him go to work. And, like, I mean, he had that play, I don't remember if it was, I, I don't remember exactly when. This was the play where quickly ended up having to take a, like, 30-foot three. And it was not a good shot from quickly, but, like, there were five seconds left when he got it. And if we're being honest, that's probably the best shot you were going to get in that in that situation. Um, and and here's the issue with it: if you watch that play, first of all, they try to inbounds it the first time, and Julius doesn't know he can go into the backcourt. He didn't know that, so he's like posted up there trying to get it. And Love nearly lost. I think it was was it either Love or Dean Wade? I don't remember which one. Uh, whoever was defending him, they nearly they knock it out. It, I mean, I don't know. They didn't show a replay, but like maybe it went on Julius. I don't know, but. It, it was just like he doesn't he didn't know that, okay? We, and and Grimes is telling him on the inbounds like, "Yo, you can go to the back court. Like, I can inbound it there. You know, like you don't need to try and hold him off for dear life in the front court. Like, I can just throw it back there. You can go get it." Uh then they do it again and he gets the ball and he comes over, Nerland sets the typical Nerland's weak screen. Julius kind of like uses it and then spins back around, but he picks up his dribble. And then he picks up his dribble, and he like has nowhere to go. And then he throws this super casual pass to Nerlens, who's like at the top of the key, just trying to make himself an option. And like Nerlens does not have good hands, so to throw this like super casual pass to him when he's heavily contested on the perimeter is kind of bananas. Luckily, Nerlens got it, and yeah, he did give it to quickly, and quickly did put up a pretty bad thirty foot three or whatever it was. But like that possession was dead as soon as Julius did that bullshit, and then. And then you have the possession after that. So then Cleveland scores, Garland's at three. Knicks have the ball next time down. And that's when Julius does the, uh, he like, I, I think that was the drive, right? That was the, or no, that was, that was the, they, they actually got a bucket the next time down. But then uh, uh, the, the second to last possession of the game is when Julius, like he has the opportunity probably to go best Wade. I understand the, 
the preference for holding for the last shot, even though it doesn't actually make sense when you're down, I understand why teams do it as like as far as a natural instinct. So I w- I'm not going to kill him for that. But what I didn't like is when he like he got RJ the ball at like maybe like he didn't draw the defender deep enough off RJ. He didn't back down Wade to kind of make the recovery uh, contest to RJ for Rondo difficult. Um, and then he just, he just, it was like a very basic thing and RJ got a decent look, but that, that could have been, I mean, it was not a great look. Let's be right. I think we can honestly say that that was not a great look, but it just showed like his lack of natural feel for high level playmaking. Like he can make really good passes and he can have high assist games, but he is not intuitively a great playmaker. And I think you could you always see that in end of game decision making from him, um, and in end of quarter decision making even too. Where like, how many times have we seen him not get a shot off at the end of a quarter? I feel like he does that more than any player I've ever watched in my life. Who gets those opportunities to like ISO on the last possession of a quarter or whatever? He does it all the time. Um, so I just like it's really frustrating, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just, it is what it is. But um, you know, Randall is Randall, and RJ is RJ. So hopefully we, uh, hopefully we transition more to a situation where RJ is the one that's getting. You know, and I don't know why it's such a common theme with this team of we just look lost coming out of a timeout. I don't get it, especially like the closing game right there too. Like, just maybe they're just I, doing shots in the timeout or something. I, that's what it seems like, honestly. Like, <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> it, I don't know. Like, it, I mean, I that last shot was terrible. Awful. The last shot. Sir, good. No, I mean, look. You mentioned it earlier, Stacy. That's a, a two ties you the game. A two gets you to overtime, right? Like, you either want to extend the game or you want to win it, obviously, right? He doesn't bring an Obi, so you don't have a vertical lob threat. So automatically, if you're Cleveland, you know they're telegraphing to you. They're trying to get a jumper, right? They're not trying to get anything at the rim. They're trying to get a jumper. I hate putting Grimes in the strong side corner. What does that do? That makes him so easy to defend. Like, you can just top lock him and he has nowhere to go. Because he's not a lob threat, so he can't go anywhere. Julius, like, the other thing with all of our after timeout plays is it feels like we don't set screens at all. There's no force to the screens we set. Like, Nerlens constantly sets the weakest screen. I mean, half of the inbounds plays were designed for Nerlens to go get it at the top of the key, and then and then you have to have a guard go and get it from him. Like, it is so... He should be on the strong right side corner, right? Like, because he can... Like, I don't mind him having... Well, he, he wasn't in on the end, end, right? But, like, yeah, like, you might as well use him kind of as a shooter or a floor spacer instead of as a screener at that point. Yeah, it's just... It, it is just annoying to me. Um, I, I don't... the Like, that, that play, as soon as I saw them line up, I was like, what are we doing? I also don't get it because... We've ran, I mean, RJ hit that shot against Boston. Obviously, it was a lucky shot, right? You bank it in. But, like, he wasn't even a decoy on that play. He was never going to get, like, that play, it was obvious that it was only going to Julius. It was never going anywhere else. As soon as they came out, you knew 
No one else is getting that other than Julius. And it's like, I mean, what is even the point then? What does it matter? Yeah. Uh, it, it was clear that that was the case. Um, yeah, like you said, Obi, like, or Jericho Sims, right? Um, but, uh, you know, it's just, that's it's funny because we've been asking him to go small all year and play more shooters on the one time he does. Um, I don't maybe he didn't know the score. I don't know. But um, that was uh, less than ideal. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to end it uh, on a real positive note. Uh, all right, Kev, thanks for so much for coming on. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. And if you have anything you want to plug, plug away. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DocKev5. Uh, I'm actually a physician assistant student right now, so uh, it's been grinding out some exams every Monday and Friday. Um, and yeah, I'd love to come back on whenever you want me, so thanks for having me on. Yeah, anytime, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, Stacy. is there anything that you would like to plug before you get out of here? Um, I just got Chris Herring's book, um, so I'll plug his recent podcast with my illustrious partner, uh, the great Shwini Poo, uh, that came out earlier today, um, uh, and the book. Uh, I actually just got it. Uh, it's a fascinating. Uh, it's been fascinating so far. Uh, very nice story that features uh, Xavier McDaniel's member, uh, as well as a lot of other great anecdotes. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll plug that. Um, yeah, I, uh, I got nothing to plug writing wise, but I will plug, uh, yeah, I, we did have uh, Chris Herring on the pod. That was awesome. I thought, um, just a really great conversation. And obviously if you're a Knicks fan, just talking about those teams is always just fun as hell. Um, I'll plug that, uh, draft Strickland also had a pod last week. So I'll plug that even though press sucks. Um, and uh, yeah I mean that, that's all I got for today but I hope everybody has a great week and I'll see everybody on Friday Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey parents, Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.